This is Commonwealth Real Financial Talk with Michael Widlake from Commonwealth Guardians. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Michael provides his clients and prospects the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Commonwealth Real Financial Talk with Michael Widlake. Hello and welcome to Commonwealth Real Financial Talk. My name is Michael Widlake and I'm from Commonwealth Guardians. If you'd like more information about what you hear on our show today, then give us a call at 617-380-3440 or visit us online at commonwealthguardians.com. And while at the website, click on the media page and you can check out all our past shows. And you can also subscribe to our program on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Music. You know, in the last handful of years, we've seen numerous news stories discussing what's been dubbed the great wealth transfer. Now, this wealth transfer consists of baby boomers handing off the assets they've built to their kids and grandkids. During our show today, we're going to discuss ways that older people might be able to hand off their assets in thoughtful and strategic ways. But before we pivot to today's topic, let me introduce my co-host, Tony Shore, who's got a kind of sad expression today because his fantasy football team is just not performing (laughs) up to expectations. (laughs) Well, you're not far off the mark there, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I wish I could say you were, but uh, that's hitting a little close to home uh, today, Michael. yeah, my fantasy football teams this year tanked. So this year is a wash for me already. Um, I, I made some poor decisions, uh, that's for sure. And now I'm paying the price. But um, unlike my assets, I'm not planning uh, on handing my fantasy football roster to my kids. So I right. am excited about transferring wealth. Uh, I am excited about this topic today. Um, what do you think? Well, so first off, of course, you know that I live in Boston. My team is the New England Patriots, <laughs> who have had the most precipitous fall of any team of all times, as far as I can tell. Yeah, they went from the best team in the league to pretty much the bottom of the heap, right? Well, and, you know, everybody said uh, Belichick is the greatest genius of all times. Not anymore. No one's saying that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. It seems and it's hard to it's hard to swallow that. Yeah, it's a bitter pill. But you know, it, you're right. Today's topic is a really important one and there's a Kiplinger's article, the three ways parents can transfer wealth to help their kids. And it has some very interesting insights on how you can transfer your assets in ways that may not burden your heirs with extra taxes. The first possibility is a custodial account. When a child is still young, some parents open a Uniform Transfer to Minors Act account, a UTMA for short, and a Uniform Gifts to Minors Act account, otherwise known as a UGMA. These accounts are typically open to save the cash kids receive for birthdays and holidays. And when 
while the child is still a minor, the custodian named on the account controls all the assets. But when the custodianship terminates, often when the child is somewhere between 18 to 25, legal controls will fall to the child. The account has a significant amount of money. It might not be the wisest move to give a child, especially one age 18, access to that much cash, but can be one way to transfer assets. Well, yeah, I, I suppose it could be a way to transfer assets. And, um, you know, uh, I think a lot of parents would agree that handing an 18-year-old thousands of dollars isn't a good idea, even if you have a great kid, right? Yeah, I worry about that myself. So luckily there are options that avoid that very scenario. An alternative structure like a trust or a limited liability company or a limited partnership are ways to potentially transfer a custodian account's assets instead of passing them directly to a child. If done correctly, utilizing one of these alternatives may provide new and longer lasting controls over the assets. Lastly, if when your child is young, you anticipate that a custodial account would eventually have a considerable amount of money, you may want to focus on a trust structure from the get-go. Be aware that these alternative strategies are dependent upon state tax laws as well as your unique family circumstances. So you should go over your options with your financial services professional and a legal professional long before your child reaches the age when they'll be granted access to those funds. Well, I think most parents out there, Michael, are driven to do everything they can for their kids, right? So working with somebody like yourself uh, to help secure your child's future assets, I think it's a good move, right? Certainly. Uh, making sure that you're making smarter choices is the hallmark of what we try to do for the people that we get to help. Yeah. And most parents are driven to do everything they can for their kids, but funding a child's education or medical expenses might be another way to prudently transfer some of your assets. Many folks, particularly high net worth people, might be inclined to simply write their kids a check for those expenses, but that could bring about estate taxes or gift tax issues. A better option might be to pay, to directly pay the educational or medical institution. In this scenario, you might be able to utilize the IRS qualified transfer rule which is part of section 2503E and dictates that direct payments made to a child's educational or medical institution might be excluded from federal gift tax rules. Additionally, this kind of direct payment might also mean your available annual exclusion and lifetime exemption amounts wouldn't be reduced. The annual gift tax exclusion amount is presently $17,000 per individual and the lifetime gift exemption amount is currently $12.92 million per individual over a person's lifetime. Be sure to discuss this option with your financial services professional and your tax professional. Right. And I think putting both a financial services professional like yourself and a tax professional in your corner is a great way to alleviate some of the natural economic anxiety we all feel at times. Right. So what oh. do you have for us next, Michael? So let's talk a bit more about trusts. If your child is the beneficiary of a trust fund, it may seem perfectly reasonable to make distributions from the fund to assist your child. 
You may even consider ditching the trust altogether once your child reaches adulthood, but that may not be the best strategic move. One alternative is to simply is simply to take cash out of the child's trust fund is using some of its cash to purchase assets for the child. For example, one of your kids is ready to buy their first house. Instead of giving them cash from the trust, the trust itself might be able to purchase the home and become the property owner. Child would then live in the home rent free. In this kind of example, the home is an asset of the trust and therefore has the same creditor protection as its other assets. And this might be helpful if the child one day runs into creditor issues or goes through a divorce. Yeah. And uh, so are there potential tax benefits to going that route? So if your child doesn't need the money in the trust at any point during their life, leaving those assets untouched within the trust means that they wouldn't be included in the child's own estate for the purposes of estate taxes after their death. That might benefit their heirs. Of course, this is all dependent upon how the trust is structured, which makes working with the legal experts absolutely essential. So if our listeners out there have any questions about any of this, or they want to get a financial plan in place, a retirement income plan in place, or just get a second opinion, how can they get a hold of you, Michael? So uh, any listeners can come to my website at commonwealthguardians.com to get more information about us and uh, get on my calendar, or you can call my office directly at 617-380-3440 so we can discuss transferring your assets and solidifying your financial strategy. All right, well, I think that sounds great. Now, during the show today, you've been talking to us about ways we can effectively transfer some of our assets to our kids. And in the first segment, you discuss custodial accounts, funding, educational, and medical expenses, and trusts. What else do you have for us? So there's another Kiplinger article that I think is important. It says, four tax smart ways to share the wealth with kids. So we discuss custodial accounts in detail during the first segment, but the second article makes some points that we haven't yet addressed. And this is that those accounts might be considered taxable to the child. So this could be a complication if investment income is sufficient enough that the so-called kiddie tax kicks in, which could make the child's income taxable at a larger rate than yours and similar income brackets for non-grantor trusts. Now, don't forget that your state may have a lower threshold than the federal government that could then trigger another kiddie tax. So working closely with a competent financial services professional and a tax professional on this is very important. Right. And that is hugely important. Uh, I think every one of the financial steps or options that you talk about here, Michael, need to be weighed against possible tax implications. And it's so important to work with a financial services professional, isn't it? Certainly. Now, Let's next consider 529 plans. These are plans that are designed to use gifted funds for educational costs. Among other things, allowable expenses include tuition, required books and fees, computers, software, even on or off campus room and board if the student is rolled at least half time. 
a 529 account is potentially beneficial because income removed from the account isn't hit with federal income taxes as long as the expenses that money is used for are qualified. Some cases, gains may also be non-taxable under your local and state laws, but that's something you'd want to confirm with your tax professional. As with custodial accounts, a 529 permits you to choose who will manage its funds so that the beneficiary of the account doesn't have direct control of the money. Unlike a custodial account, however, a 529's beneficiary never gains an absolute legal right to the money. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, from a tax standpoint, while contributions to 529 accounts still qualify for the annual gift tax exclusion, they also provide gift and estate tax planning opportunities for you and your financial services professional. These opportunities include allowing you to make front-loaded gifts for as much as five years without using your lifetime estate tax exemption. Lastly, With a 529 account, you can also change the beneficiary, which gives you flexibility as additional kids and grandkids seek out higher education. Well, I think if college is uh, in your kids' or grandkids' plans, a 529 account then sounds like it's probably worth some consideration, right? Certainly it it behooves looking at and weighing the options Now, another potentially beneficial way to share your wealth with your kids is via a child IRA. In the eyes of the IRS, a child IRA is no different than an IRA you or I would have. Contributions to the account must be made with earned income, which means gifts can't be used. If a child is earning money, though, that they don't immediately need, a child IRA may provide some long-term benefits. As with IRAs for adults, a child IRA may be a traditional or a Roth. A traditional IRA permits immediate tax deductions from the income taxes when a contribution is made, which means no principal or income is subject to taxes until the child begins withdrawals, which ideally isn't until they're retired. On the flip side, a Roth IRA includes no immediate tax deductions, but the income earned on the assets in a Roth IRA will be tax-free. If withdrawals don't begin until the child reaches at least 59 and a half and has held the Roth account for a minimum of five years, the money becomes tax-free. Well, that's interesting. And uh, traditional and Roth IRAs each have their own unique pluses and minuses. So I guess if you aren't sure which one is the right fit for you or a child or a grandchild, reach out to a financial services professional, somebody like yourself, Michael. Definitely. So now let me add that while there are contribution limits and other requirements that you should consider Before deciding, many consider a Roth IRA to be an ideal approach if you expect to hit a higher tax bracket in retirement. Obviously, many kids who currently have earned income are in a lower tax bracket right now, given that they're probably working a couple days a week at Dairy Queen or at Starbucks. And this means as they age and earn more money, they'll likely reach higher tax brackets. And because of that, many child IRAs utilize a Roth strategy. Okay. So I know Roths uh, have a lot of potential benefits. Uh, Anything else people should know about child IRAs? So just as they do with custodial accounts, the assets in a child IRA must be exclusively 
used for the benefit of the child. Because the beneficiary will eventually have control over these assets when they reach adulthood, those creating an IRA on their behalf should be confident the child will be will not give into the temptation to dip into their account too early, which would activate those 10% early withdrawal penalties. Okay. So I, I think that it, kids' IRAs, it makes sense. I think a lot of people do utilize that uh, or might want to. Um, I know your office has a special tool to help people make uh, the asset transfer process a bit easier. Isn't that right? It is. You know, we have a program called Enhanced Planning, Preserving Families Harmony and Protecting Your Legacy, which is packed with excellent information and advice about how you might be able to ensure your assets go to the people and causes that you care about in a way that honors your wishes and preserves your family unity. Think you need to be rich to benefit from enhanced planning services? Well, think again. No matter how valuable or significant your assets are, not clearly and thoroughly spelling out your wishes before your passing can lead to lasting family turmoil and hurt feelings after you're gone. Yeah, and that's what you want to avoid, right? You want you Definitely. want to preserve family harmony uh, and this, you know, planning ahead and strat- coming up with strategies uh, to transfer your wealth uh, will be so much better for your loved ones and your family and keep harmony. And I think communication is a big part of this too, at least from what I've seen when my grandfather passed and, and they passed money along uh, to his kids, uh, the stuff that wasn't well communicated created some tensions and that can happen. Um, uh, but uh, what do you want to do next? What, what do you have for us next? So we've mentioned that the great wealth transfer a bit today, but I'd like to spend the rest of our time focusing on this concept a little bit more closely. There's a Forbes article called The Great Wealth Transfer from Baby Boomers to Millennials and how that will impact the job market and the economy. And it nicely details this transformational economic event that's happening right now. So let's begin with a couple of statistics. Baby booner, baby boomers, sorry, or those born between 1946 and 1964 are currently the wealthiest generation in the world. Their average net worth presently falls between 970,000 and $1.2 million. Baby boomers and their parents from the silent generation or what Tom Brokaw dubbed the greatest <laughs> generation. Yep. Yep. We'll pass down an estimated $84.4 trillion in assets through 2045, with $72.6 trillion of that money going directly to their heirs. Now, according to a study by the financial market intelligence firm Cerulli and Associates uh, that is referenced in the article, well, yeah, and that's truly a staggering amount of money, Michael. What does it mean for those born after the baby boom generation? Then? So millions of baby boomers have already entered their retirement years, which means that they're working to devise ways to transition their assets to their kids and grandkids. And when you consider that those baby boomers currently hold half of the nation's household wealth, you can see what a monumental task that's going to be. Specifically, baby boomers are expected to leave an estimated $68 trillion to their kids, which will make millennials 
the richest generation in American history. This wealth transfer has the potential to radically transform life for the millennial generation, which has already faced recessions, astronomical college costs, unattainable housing prices, and rising costs of living. Well, and wow, we've seen that. Whenever you hit us with this kind of information, I I always have to ask, are there any caveats to that? So there are indeed, Tony. While what I just shared is good news for millennials overall, there might be some miscommunication as to how much they expect to inherit and how much their parents anticipate leaving. For example, the article references an Alliant Credit Union survey that found that millennials expect to receive an average inheritance of about $350,000. But that same survey reveals that 55% of baby boomers plan to bequeath less than that. Well, yeah, those those stats are interesting. Uh, what are what are some potential causes of that apparent disconnect there? Well, There is a number of things. Job security and career development for baby boomers still in the workplace are currently strong, and that doesn't mean that trend is going to last forever. Future market corrections and recessions are possible, just as they always are. And that means baby boomers' concerns about outliving their wealth may stay in the workforce longer while holding on to their money instead of passing it down. Some baby boomers will also be confronted with financial roadblocks in their later years because of rising health care expenses, longer life expectancies. Certainly, these are two factors that could decrease how much they can leave for their kids. Right. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. You have to plan this out. I know this is something you help your clients with and the people you meet with. Um, on previous shows, you've been very thorough and transparent about things like healthcare costs, which seem to only rise and rise and rise. It gets more and more expensive. Yep. And when you also factor in that some retirees out there are going to need long-term care services, which are uh, outrageously expensive, it's understandable that some baby boomers will choose to work as long as possible. Now, hopefully... Uh, those listening to the show today are working with someone like yourself who can help relieve some of that anxiety, right? Well, so why we can't be certain how much money is going to transfer wealth millennials will inherit in the coming years, it appears likely that it still will be a sizable amount to drive some very real economic change. And a significant transfer of assets to millennials might lead to a changing job market as some choose to tackle a dream entrepreneurship opportunity or simply choose to take time off and travel. So a new surge of wealth might also cause a spike in demand for luxury goods and services. All told, this current and future wealth transfer will lead to millennials holding an estimated five times as much wealth in the 2030s as they currently have. And that may further mean more consumer spending, investment, and economic growth. And it's impossible the stock market will rise as more money is dedicated to investments. So is developing strategies for this wealth transfer then something your office can help people with? Uh, certainly. In addition to considerable industry experience and know-how, my office has the enhanced planning and preserve family harmony and protect your legacy tool, which I referenced earlier in the show. The goal of the enhanced planning process is to construct a strategy 
that respects your wishes for your assets and prevents any confusions or family discord and has you looking forward to retirement with less worry. By enhanced planning means more than just preserving family harmony, as important as that is. For example, did you know that if you don't make a plan for your assets, probate courts and the government may make the plan for you? And that means that your money may not make it to the people and organizations that you care about. You might think you don't need enhanced planning because your family knows exactly what your wishes are, but the reality is even the smallest of miscommunications or misunderstandings can lead to family squabbles. Right, and that's what we want to avoid. Uh, We want to keep the harmony, and this has been uh, an enlightening show today, informative. Any final thoughts for us? So if there are any questions about this, the Enhanced Planning and Preserve Your Family Harmony and Protect Your Legacy tool and Transferring Your Wealth to Your Kids, please visit my website at commonwealthguardians.com or call my office at 617-380-3440. You can get on my calendar where we can discuss how we might be able to help. It's our goal to educate you and help you prepare for the retirement that you have worked so hard for. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. Great show today. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. That does it for today's episode of Commonwealth Real Financial Talk. Thank you for listening to Commonwealth Real Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Michael Whitlake at Commonwealth Guardians. Call 617-380-3440 or visit them online at CommonwealthGuardians.com. Michael Whitlake offers investment advisory services through Gradium Advisors, LLC, Arden Hills, Minnesota, 877-885-0508 and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Gradient Advisors, LLC and its advisors do not render tax, legal, or accounting advice. Commonwealth Guardians is not a registered investment advisor and is independent of Gradient Advisors, LLC insurance products and services are offered through Michael Widlake, independent agent. Commonwealth Guardians, Michael Widlake, and Gradient Advisors, LLC are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration, the Federal Medicare Program, or any government agency. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Calling this number will direct you to a licensed sales agent.